I tend to make short trips faster and make trips and I guess all those trips. You notice I haven't been doing too many series. And today is another day like that. It's not a series. It's pretty topical. Um, and it has to do with the holiday that we're celebrating, which is Emancipation Day. Now, that's supposed to be a celebration of emancipation from slavery. Now, we can take that in many ways. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, and you make the point, welcome your comments. We're still in slavery. Um, in one form or the other. And we can look at it in many ways. But all of us, we are still, by and large, still slaves to something or the other, or someone or the other. Please, give me a difference of opinion. <laughs> you make my life too easy. I disagree. Ah, great. <laughs> Good, thank you. I really appreciate that. Why? <laughs> I know. You guys do lots of disagreements. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes our slavery is in our thinking. We may be free, but we have to. Oh, yes. Um, and again, you can look at that two ways. You know, there is what God's word says about slavery. And when I think of slavery, I don't think necessarily um, master slave, I'm serving Priscilla, I'm serving Shadwell as a slave. But why we do the things that we do, what forces us? Because the only thing of a master slave, the slave is forced to do whatever the master says. You know, what's forcing us to be who we are, to think the way we think, to do what we do? Um, and that's at the end of this session, I really would like us to be deliberate and serious about how we think about that. Because every Emancipation Day, I think about it, no matter where I am. And that's why I like this holiday. It's, a, it's meaningful to me, especially as a Christian, and especially as a man. It is very meaningful. Um, and I'm going to look both at what God says and also at what man says. But I must first start with what God says. And Matthew says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and money. Now, this is the ESV version. You go back to King James and say, God and mammon. And really that means God or anything else. The things that our innermost desires want after. You know, it's either God or anything else. Um, you know, so quite often, you know, we say we're free. You know, and we look at we look at slavery as bad, freedom is good, and there's no gray or nothing in between. If you're a slave, it's terrible. If you're free, it's great. But let's take a look at the freedom for a moment. 
is freedom always good? What does it require in order to take advantage of freedom? What are some of the things that you think are required to be able to take advantage of our freedom to all benefit? Go ahead, Chadwell. In part, it is to say uh, freedom comes responsibility. Yeah. Now, when the world tells us, enjoy your freedom, do they also add that little rider that your father added? Do you get the impression that they had anything to do with responsibility? Exactly. Responsibility, that's it. <laughs> yes, there's absolutely no responsibility except to yourself. Well, basically, if it feels good, if it feels right at that time, do it because you never know the next chance you're going to get to do it. And unfortunately, I think we live the consequences of that mindset. And it's nothing new to us, it's been the nature of mankind throughout the ages. Oh, first one. Wow. Somehow, one of my slides is gone missing. But anyway, that won't stop the show. Right. First Kings. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Now, actually, Elijah's given us three positions. You take the positive position for God, take the positive position for everything else other than God, or you do nothing. Elijah didn't give that. He only gave two options. That's right. But the people took, well, they thought they were taking another option. But I say, and please correct me, Priscilla, <laughs> if we do nothing, if we do nothing, we've taken a position over one of those two. Because by doing nothing, you're supporting either God or you're supporting Baal. Whenever we have a choice to make, there's never the option of no choice. And if we say that we're no longer slaves, I am a slave to no one, well, we're actually saying I'm a slave to myself, to self-gratification. I'm going to please me, and no matter how it affects anyone else, or even me down the road, right now is all I'm thinking of, and I'm going to be a slave to that. So when we make our decisions in life, realize that we're making a decision either for God or against God. There's no such thing as Oh, I'm totally free. We're slaves to something or someone. And we need to be very aware 
who our master is. Especially as Christians, we have to be very careful. Because either we're serving God or we're serving Satan. And I said it's the nature of mankind goes way back. It isn't a New Testament thing. Way back, you didn't have to wait for Jesus to talk about it. Way back in the first case, Elijah's talking about it. Why do you think that is? Any ideas? Uh, because we, uh, we are servants and God created us to serve Him. Exactly. And if we don't, we're serving the enemy. So, when we wake up in the morning and we have one of our faculties, and the decision is do I come to Sunday school or don't I? We have a decision to make. And if we decide we're going to sleep another hour and a half and say that's still a decision, I'm going to avoid the decision, we have not avoided the decision. We've made a decision not to come to Sunday school, not to um, be with God's people, not to learn about God's work, not to separate ourselves for a time from the world. All sorts of decisions we've made by doing nothing, by apparently doing nothing. And it indicates who our master is. Is it God or is it us? We're just fooling ourselves. We're just fooling ourselves. And actually, we've allowed the enemy to fool us. He is now a master. Now, this isn't, just think of anything in your life. You have to make a decision. Every single time we do something, we're making a decision. And when we make that decision, we're indicating who our master is. And because of that, it's not a bad thing to be a slave. We have no choice but to be slaves in all that, if you look at it that way. But who would be your master? And the thing is, we have a choice in who our master is. In the traditional slave, there was no choice. Absolutely no choice. Either you're a slave or you're dead. In Romans 6.20 it says, When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. Well, let's say we flip that around. When we are slaves to righteousness, we are free from the control of sin. So when we find ourselves sinking into... Well, actually, let's go back to a few last week's lesson and some others that I've had, particularly when we talk about James. Go from temptation to desire to sin. So when we find that our desires are overcoming us, actually what's happening is we're slaves to sin. Then we find that we are joyous, joyful, and we are fulfilled because we are in the will of the Lord. We're slaves to righteousness. We're slaves to the Lord. And that's where we need to be. We shouldn't be anxious to be emancipated, but we should be anxious to having the right master. Those of us who are not saved, have friends who aren't saved, they're slaves to the enemy. And one of our greatest goals should be to see them switch masters. Yeah. We're still slaves, 
we are joyful slaves when we serve righteousness, when we serve Almighty God. Before I go on, any comments? Sometimes you be trying to do right, you still end up going wrong. Right. Yeah, uh, you could be brilliant, read the Bible before you go, and still somehow desire something, some selfish thought comes to your mind and follow through on it. And you follow through on it. And that was never your intention when you left it. Right. Our salvation isn't the end of our struggle. As long as we're on this earth, we're going to have a struggle with the enemy. Actually, at the foot of our salvation, to a certain extent, the struggle increases. But also to a certain extent, the struggle decreases. Because at the point of salvation, we have a commander-in-chief who can fight our battles for us. Who does fight our battles for us. Now, the thing is this. If you use that analogy a little bit further, take it a little bit further, and we are on the battlefield, and the commander-in-chief gives an order, and you obey it, well, if the commander-in-chief is our Lord and Savior, we know that we will win the battle. But if you decide, what's it called when you disobey an order? Insubordination. Right. You're going to be insubordinate and say, I ain't going to keep safe. Well, then you have the consequences. That doesn't mean he stops being a commander-in-chief. Because the next time you go in battle, he'll be giving you other orders to protect you and allow you to win the battle. But he does require of us to confess. He gives us guidelines. He gives us guidelines to be victorious, and when we are, he also gives us guidelines. To confess our sins. That's, that's a very good illustration, uh, and I'm thought of like that. That's a very excellent illustration. Uh, it's not when I was thinking like Peter. You know, uh, I was thankful that the Lord chose to like Peter. You know, because... You know, now, hold on a minute. Peter rather than Paul? No, I like Peter. I'm only saying it. And I feel because Peter, Peter said he was kind of, you know, uh, one minute he said you are the son of the living God, and the next minute he said I don't demand. Right. You know, so sometimes when I said, I think that uh, if I fall short, I think of, I was thinking of Peter and I say, you know, it, it was an encouragement to me, you know, so Peter walked to them, mm-hmm. knew who he was, and still had up for sake of uh, denying him. Denying him. Right. And that encouraged me because. And what if men who think they're loyal and all, and all did everything right, then I might have failed that I would be hopeless when I fall short as I'll be in like these guys who have been like and I can manage up. Mm-hmm. But when I see Peter fall down and get back up, that was an encouragement. Oh yeah. Actually this week, at least now in our devotions, um the, the, the devotional we used was talking about Satan, how he is the accuser. And he will accuse you and make you believe all sorts of things, especially when you've done something wrong. As if you've done something wrong, 
you will never get over it. Um, and since you started, why don't you just continue? Whatever it is to keep you in sin, to keep you as far away from God as possible. That's his idea. So, you've sinned. You need to move on in the right direction. And to move on, you need to go back to the Lord. Confession. Forgiveness. Seeking righteousness. You always have that option. It's like an open door in God's office. You can always walk through that door. And that will bring relief. It also redirects, just like the commander-in-chief. So you decided you were to march that way and you told everybody to start marching that way. Well, did you define and say, Shadwell? Okay, you're going that far, you're here, you need to start going that way. But it's still up to you to obey the order. But the beauty of that commander-in-chief, other than the other commanders-in-chief, rather than court-martialing you and sending you to, um, what do you call it? Firing squad. Once you confess, he's always forgiven. Okay. Even though the accuser will try to make you feel as if, listen, I'm so bad, I could never be better. I could never please God. But, like I said last week, you stay in the Word, and you will find examples just like you. Because what you say is no different than anyone in this room. We fall, we aren't perfect. But as you read the word, you get comfort, you get direction, you gain confidence. And the accuser is not happy. But tell him, live with it and move on. You serve your master, you keep your eyes on the commander in chief, obey the commands, and you will be fine. And One thing you need to be careful. When we sin, the Lord forgive us. When we don't sin, um, the Lord's always going to forgive you. And then you go to sin. Well, Paul did address that. Right? We don't sin so that grace can abound. <clears throat> also, if you're truly sorry for our sins, when you confess, we will be looking for sin again. We confess so we can get relief from our sin. And yes, we have to be careful of that. And the thing about sin is, yes, you may be forgiven, but it doesn't mean that you avoid the consequences. Our Lord knows how He made us, who He made. And I really feel that that's why we have consequences to our sin. Because otherwise we may run the risk of sitting so that grace can abound. That's right. And so, yes, the Lord forgives us, but he loves us so much, he definitely doesn't want us to sin again. And for that reason, you know, the consequences may not go away. To remind us, don't you try that again. Or try something else again. Stick with me. Stay obedient. No, he rather obedience than sacrifice.
Oh, well, sorry, you were about to say something, Chad. Yeah, I was just thinking, uh, that was a very bad lesson. Excellent history. I heard the relationship between the commander and the soldiers. Right. But, uh, I heard the state for the really same thing just now that, you know, I was thinking that sometimes, like that joke, I don't know, you would see it last time, right? That's not what you think about it, you would see it last Yeah, yeah, sometimes. But, uh, I just, uh, you thought about the man who was hanging on the cliff, you know. Oh, okay. You know, and, you know, uh, sometimes get a command, and, and we, we think, we start thinking and say, hey. This is what you were here last week, right? Okay. All right. <laughs> Please, tell the joke again, then. Okay, okay, uh, this gentleman was at the end of the cliff. Excuse me one second, because you all laugh at Shad Bell's jokes when you laugh at me. <laughs> this gentleman, he was at the edge of the cliff and somehow he fell down and was caught by a branch not too far from the top. He didn't climb up, so he looked down and he was a very down, down was very far. So he decided to go up a help since he was into far from the top. So he shouted out, Help, help, is anybody up there? And he heard a quiet and then he heard a voice saying, Yes, it's being God. And he heard that, he said, Oh, God, what do you want me to do? Say, I go to branch. <laughs> he thinks to himself and he says, Help! Help! Is anybody else up there? <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes God asks us to do some things and we like, you know, we, we, we like ask about it. Is there any other way or, uh, you know, oh, yeah. a better suggestion than this? This can't be what God wants to do. I got a good This is good as my job. Well, that, that's a good one, Chadra. Now, next week, you have to come with another one. Galatians 1.10 Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. But let's take it for a given that we do want to be slaves of Christ. As Christians, that really should be our goal. To do what's pleasing to our Lord and Savior. Now this really addresses how we, how we live practically in the world. That kind of gets good. That's good, doesn't it? Yes, it is. Yes, it does. Because there's always that tension. Pleasing others. And pleasing the Lord. Exactly. Um, and sorry, go ahead, Shadow. I have the challenge. Uh, sometimes uh, people or friends seems to be a lot of influence over me. Mm-hmm. And I would find myself uh, trying to please them. Trying to please them. them. Right, okay. Sometimes, uh, sometimes you go over the boundaries of the God that to go and place them. Right. And I find out when you do right, it's a good feeling, it's a good feeling. And it's like life, you know. And I would say that sometimes when you do wrong, it feels real good too. No, but it always have a. Uh, you know, like, that's when you sit here drinking, sneak up on you. Mm-hmm. The 
feel, you feel no dissatisfaction, feeling sneaks upon you and the, the, the enjoyment you like, man, I shouldn't have done that. You know, uh, you know, you, it, 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 there's something about it that, that, that lets you know that you're going against God. Afterwards. Yeah, afterwards. And so that's, uh, although it may have been enjoyable, the, 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 Consequences take some enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Although you may do it again, it takes some enjoyment away from it. Okay. Because you know, hey, I do something, I'm supposed to be doing that. You're conscious of it, you know? your uh, intellect is uh, aware that you're doing something you're not supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. You know? And again, it's something you really need to be aware of on so many levels and for so many reasons. Because those of us who name Jesus Christ as Lord, and therefore we are, and there's really no other way of putting it, we are slaves to Christ. There really is no room for disobedience, especially enjoying that disobedience, or rationalizing that disobedience. Because enjoyment and rationalization is going to lead to repeating. And it's going to lead to sinful character traits. Um, and consistent sinful behavior. Which is going to be self-destructive. Um, and allows the accuser to come in and allow you to question all sorts of things about your relationship with Christ. And your, um, who is your master? Is he really my master? And the enemy is going to do all kinds of things to raise that question in many shapes and forms. But do I really need to do what he says? Actually, even am I really saved? And it's never underestimate the person who wants you to be his slave. Who is Satan? Never underestimate him. You will be in that battle. As long as you are a servant of Christ, you will be in that battle. And winning the approval of human beings, when it causes you to compromise which you know the Lord requires of you, will be a battle that you will always face. And to be quite honest, the more obedient you are to Christ, the more severe that attack may seem. Because obviously, if you are living for Christ, Satan isn't as concerned. If you're living for Christ, he's more and more concerned because you're less likely to become his slave. Therefore, you have to look out for that as you are more obedient to Christ. And those of your friends and family and associates that you know are Christians, we need to uphold them in prayer and encourage them and support them so that they don't fall prey to that. Because as others fall prey, don't think that, oh, 
They fall in prey, but I'm okay. As they fall in prey, they may influence us. So as a family, we have to band together and protect each other. So we all stay slaves to Christ. And actually, we become more obedient in our slavery. And as we become obedient, I can assure you, we will be joyful. We will be joyful slaves. We will be happy slaves. Happy slaves. And I know this goes against the grain of what you read in the popular do-it-yourself books, etc. But the Lord has asked us to be slaves. And there's nothing wrong with that. Because that gives us protection. Actually gives us eternal life. It allows us to be joyful in the midst of all sorts of adversity. And it makes us members of the best and most wonderful family that you can imagine. Well, yesterday we had a we had a gathering of, of Calvary men. It's about 15, 16 of us. Actually, it started in the morning. From 6.15 in the morning, Clinton Cartwright came down to my house. And we... I hope you all... Have you, has everyone had breakfast? Good. And we slaughtered the sheep. The slaughtering of the sheep was great because it was the first time I ever slaughtered a sheep. But, and the plan was we were going to eat that meat that same evening. But the camaraderie that I had with Clinton, I, I've only had one brother in my life, and he's now deceased seven years. But I felt I was doing something with my brother for the first time. And I don't know how many years. And there was no cussing, no swearing, nothing like that. We were just talking and joking and having a good time. You know, we kind of sorry for the sheep because he wasn't having a good time for them. But didn't even pray a little bit and he calmed down. But it was a wonderful time. And then when the men gathered together, we were supposed to go from three to six. We went from three to eight, and no one really wanted to leave at eight o'clock. And we talked sports, we talked about God, we talked about our families, and there was no prearranged script. But it was a great time, and the food is excellent. Absolutely excellent. Quite often, a part of men getting together is outside of the family of God. We wouldn't talk about God. We probably talk about women in ways we shouldn't. There probably be a lot of drinking and, and loudness, etc. But it was a totally different environment. But unless you are part of that kind of family, you really wouldn't appreciate or understand. It's one of the best times I've had in years. And that's a blessing from the God that I serve. Because he loves me. He loved all of those men that were there. And he's going to make sure that we stay his. The only thing we have to do is to be obedient. That's all we have to do. To be obedient slaves. Absolutely obedient slaves. Any comments there? Before I go on to the next verse. What was on the menu? 
We had sheep. I know. And we had fish. And we had a lot of pumpkin stuff. Because actually the day before, all of you all have to see this picture before I leave. I cut a pumpkin. And it was 12 pounds. I mean, it was bigger than my head. I gotta tell you, my head was doing big when I cut it. It's a 12 pound pumpkin. So that same evening, Denise made pumpkin and rice, which is one of my favorite meals. Then yesterday, she made pumpkin pie and pumpkin bread. So there was a lot of pumpkin. Oh, and pumpkin soup. So there's a lot of pumpkin going around. And oh, and let's see, Kirk brought um, rubber ducks. And what else did we have? We had something else. But of course, we had rice, macaroni, all kinds. We had good stuff. Have you cooked the lamb? Oh, two ways. I curried it and also baked it. I'll give you my recipe for, for lamb. Okay? It's, it's supposed to be a secret, but since you're a family, I'll tell you. No matter what kind of meat you have, I slaughter it in green pork. That makes it very tender. I mean, just I mean, melt in your mouth tender. It's slaughtered in green pork. Okay. I just cut it in green pork. I grate it. I peel the green pork and I grate it. And I, you know, slip it. And I allow the juices to go in, and then I cover it in the grain before. Normally, I like I like to do it overnight, but since I had a short time, I just used a lot of grain before because I had it about two or three hours, and I just let it just I mean just infuse, and then I put in, and at the same time I grind um, ginger and mix it with the grain before, so that goes all through, and then I flavor it with um, just salt, pepper, and rosemary. And a bit of pork pepper. Ah, yes. I could tell. The tongue's just watery right now. Oh, yeah. It was really good. It was really good. And with the, um, the curry, instead of potatoes, we put in cassava. Because I prefer cassava to, to white potatoes. But, and, and it was really good. It was really good. Of course, you have the onions and the carrots and all that. It was, it was really good. Well, yes? You know, I'd be doing pretty good until I start to think of did you start thinking of you? Yeah. You know, okay. uh, I had a friend, the manager, she was, he, he told me before he said, it's that word, sin, put in the middle of that word. And, you know, when I reflect on that, I, we start to think of I, mm -hmm. and when I takes the fruit and tea in your mind, Correct. sometimes you start to go straight because of that. You know, when you mean I don't mind. say sometimes, I can show you a little bit yeah. straight. You know, like, you know, even if you have a team, and you start thinking like I, right. you know, sometimes that breaks up the team spirit. Oh, definitely. You know, because like, when you, if Spencer is supposed to be passing the ball to someone, you think I get to be the star, you know? Well, that's what happened with Michael Jordan. I mean, Michael Jordan was on the Chicago Bulls for I don't know how long, and he was scoring, you know, 30, 40 points, 50 points sometimes. They would never win a championship. It wasn't until he started playing with them. He's still scoring 20, 30 points, but he's more part of the team, and they started winning championships. Yeah. I, doesn't, I doesn't cut it. I is an idol, and that means you're slave to it. So, so you know, I may be serving God, but if that I, that selfish desire comes in, and I start thinking of myself, I need, oh, yeah. and I start putting God, okay, God, you want this important as I, 
you go exactly. to the second place, I got this, you know, mm-hmm. and I start getting in trouble after a while. Galatians 1.10 is talking about that, you know, trying to please people, including myself. Now, if God requires <laughs> us to greet at the door, but we decide, no, no one sees me when I really greet at the door, I need to be on the pulpit, and therefore I go on the pulpit just so that people praise me, I can assure you, you know, you start under James 4, you start becoming a member of that group. You adulterous people. Because you're not serving, well, actually, what's the term? You've lost your first love. And now you have many loves. You're trying to spread yourself thin. And it doesn't work. Now, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. And the world includes I. It includes me. When I love me more than I love God, I have a problem. Actually, when I try to go that road where, you know, I'm pleasing God, I also got to make sure I please me too. That's the adulterous people. You know, uh, one pastor, he has an illustration about the world that I enjoy. Oh, okay. He have a stay or first in fact he even name one's business. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the property company. Yeah. Right. You know, it's a it's a good thing. People at first is a it's a good uh priority that's That's what the world says. Many all can remember Bob Marley's redemption song. Emancipate yourselves from mental slavery, none but ourselves can free our minds. But this isn't so much ourselves. Because if we leave it up to ourselves, I can assure you, Satan will direct our minds. It isn't a matter of freeing our minds, it's really a matter of redirecting our minds. And when we need to answer God's call and make sure our minds are aligned with His will. Almost Yep. I'm sure you tell me about the Lord changing my life. Sure, go right ahead. I've been praying for the Lord and helping to be able to get fruit and vegetables growing in my yard. Okay. Because I can eat them. Okay. Can you eat them? Okay. You know the Lord gave me, but I wanted long time, for a long, long time to be able to plant flowers um, and things in my front yard. Okay. I didn't have the money to buy the seeds and all that. The other day, my gardener does my lawn. So I'll, I'll bring some plants and some pine trees for you. Not in your front yard, you don't have to pay me anything. Okay. I feel like the Lord is telling me, you know, I want me to answer the best. Well, the Lord, the Lord does answer prayer. However, He still will answer your prayer for fruit and vegetables. I'll show you how to get the vegetables in your garden for uh, I'll get you some vegetables eats. Everybody asks, what do you think I do? I like to come on to you. Or vegetables? 
Yeah, you can find vegetables in pots. You have a pot in the ground, you can find them in pots. But this isn't time to find vegetables. Yeah. September, October is a better time. So that's when I'll address that with you. We can compare in January what we get. Joshua 24, 15. <clears throat> and if the Lord, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you were living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. That's a decision we have to make every day. Who will we serve? I hope the answer is we will serve the Lord. Not who the world tells us to serve, but who we didn't know we ought to serve. Because he has bought us with a price. And we are his. Let's just close in the way for Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, in whom we have our salvation. And Father, we just struck before you in all humility, acknowledging that you are indeed our master. We pray for protection against the attack of the enemy. May we not be fooled by his distractions and his lies, but we can always walk in obedience to you, that you may be glorified in and through us. Father, we pray that as we leave this place, we leave here in the spirit of obedience, seeking to serve you wherever you direct us, wherever you desire. Wherever you are, Lord, we pray that we just join you there and be part of your ministry, that we put aside ourselves, and just seek to obey you however we, however, we, however we can. Lord, we now pray for your protection and safety as we, as we leave. Pray that you would bring us back. We may enjoy sweet fellowship with one another. That you may always be glorified in our lives as we worship you in spirit and in truth. Through Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.